Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week I'm sharing a conversation with you that I had with Anna Sabino. She's the author of Your Creative Career, Turn Your Passion into a Fulfilling and Financially Rewarding Lifestyle. This conversation is in the vein of the last conversation that I had with Jeff Goins and Sean McCabe and Shane and Jocelyn Sams. It's all about that transition into making a living out of something that you would love to get paid for doing that's only a hobby. And the juggling of multiple hobbies, testing those things out, even in having a side hustle to your side hustle. So if that is where you have found yourself either in the pre-stages, the during stages, or in the frustration of having tried to make it work or even seeing some success in that, then this episode is for you. So enjoy this conversation with Anna Sabino. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Anna Sabino. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you have this great new book out called Your Creative Career, Turn Your Passion into a Fulfilling and Financially Rewarding Lifestyle. And it's all based on your experience doing this over the past 10 years, starting out in Wall Street, but then moving into a creative career. But the other key piece is that you share your mistakes. I'd love for you to share your story first, though, about why did you leave Wall Street and what did you do instead? And, and you know, what started that momentum in that direction? Yeah, so when I was on Wall Street, I have had a feeling that I was very limited with my growth and what was going to be possible in the future. And I wanted to be in charge of my time and, and my, my career. And that job was not giving me the options. So I, by feeling limited, it pushed me to do the search and start something new, something that I could own, something mine. And I, I am a risk taker, but I don't believe we should be taking that much risk in uh, our careers, especially if we can avoid it, because entrepreneurship is already very risky in itself. So I started this side hustle. So I was on Wall Street and I developed my jewelry brand, Lucid New York, and it wasn't easy because to have the two things side by side and it was a 40 to 45 hour a week job. And to start something brand new is definitely challenging, but so worth it. That year that I spend, spent having two careers, basically, um, it was way worth it. So essentially, you knew that you didn't want to be doing your career on someone else's terms. And you wanted freedom. It sounds like. Yeah. So I, I do remember I, I got a glass a blowing scholarship at Urban Glass. Uh, it was 12 years ago. And the scholarship was happening every Monday. So I I know that I came up to my boss and uh, I was like, I, I can't come to work on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And he said, Anna, but the market is open on Mondays. But you know, he agreed with that, but that the, the fact that I had to ask, that I had to comply, like just basically work on somebody else's terms, um, definitely inspired me to 
to start something on my on my own and I knew that was not going to be equal to working less. I knew it was going to be a hustle, especially at the beginning, but I was ready for it. Well, and so glass blowing that falls right into, you know, people thinking, oh, creative, and they think the word art, but you don't limit it to just, you know, art or writing or, you know, the quote, traditional forms that people think of when they think creative, right? Right. So when I had my glass jewelry line, I realized that I cannot be making every single piece on my own. I just wanted to scale and do something on a larger on a larger scale. So um, I knew I had to get into production, and I wanted to I wanted to be in stores and have an extended retail presence. So I switched and transitioned into metals as well, and. I started hiring people and outsourcing. I started traveling and working with artisans in Thailand and Hong Kong and collaborating and working together so that I'm not just a one person show. And so it was from being an artist to being an artist entrepreneur, because I strongly believe that in order to succeed as, as a designer, as a maker, you definitely have some have to have some strong business skills. Now, taking a step back, I know you obviously you must have had an interest in you know the glass blowing and the metals and everything prior to working on Wall Street. But what caused you to take the job on Wall Street? Was it just security, or you just didn't? Did you believe that you could be a, a creative career person? Actually, Eric, you know. I thought it was going to be my dream. When I graduated, I was getting ready and I thought that this was it. And um, actually in my book, Your Creative Career, based on that experience, I strongly recommend that we take a taste of our dreams because we sometimes we may realize that our dreams are actually not really our dreams if we really start doing it. So we may spend many years just looking forward to something. And then once we actually try it and start doing it, it may, we may realize that it's actually not for us. And that's what happened to me when, when I started my, my job, my job on Wall Street as a market analyst. It was just not for me. So that was actually another one of your interests that you tested out and found out that it wasn't something you wanted to do long term. Right. And I don't regret it at all because I think our creative career is shaped by so many experiences and so many jobs and prior careers. Um, It it was great and very enriching. It taught me structure and systems, and it was a great exposure overall. But it was a great stepping stone, but not an end goal for sure. What would you say to people who they they have a lot of different interests and, you know, in other words, they know they want to do a lot of different things, but they're not quite sure which direction they should take. They have a lot of hobbies or passions and they they just aren't quite sure that any of them could support themselves with. Well, so it's, it's, it's a different thing when you have a creative hobby and when you have a creative career and a lot of, uh, fellow creatives don't really um, think that there's a difference in how we should 
run these both both things. So as far as a creative hobby, you know, we can follow our passion and do whatever our heart desires and just, you know, be free flowing and not caring. But once we already start thinking about a creative hobby as a creative career, we have to change uh, and shift if we want to make it sustainable and successful. Well, first of all, we have to set up some kind of systems and it's, it's also important besides following our passion to create based on what people want, based on the, you know, your market research and what's working and testing and tweaking based on our customers' needs. So I would say the first thing would be in determining what hobby you want to follow and make it into a career is what do you want to be surrounded by hours and hours and hours per day mm-hmm. for years to come? And what kind of customers do you want to interact with? Because it all comes with territory. Sure. Yeah. Because again, it's not only what are you interested in, but how long can you stay interested in it? But not only that, are people outside of yourself going to be interested enough in what you do with that to pay you for it? Yeah, absolutely. So maintaining that passion is is very challenging. So I've had Lucid New York for 12 years now, and I went from wholesale to, to retail to subscription box to online sales. So I'm just mixing it up so that I still keep that drive and that energy because you need a lot of it when you own a business. So let's talk a little bit about that process then of, you know, you, you had other interests, you knew Wall Street wasn't long term going to be what you were going to do. So what does the process look like of transitioning over from one thing to another and continually testing out new hobbies, new passions? I started doing a lot of research. I was reading books like crazy, like literally devouring them and not even books that would interest me hundred percent, but I would also open myself up to other things because I believe in tacit inspiration. So you don't know where the inspiration actually is going to come from. And after the research, you know, when I, when I decided on that one thing that I want to pursue, I knew that, you know, I had to be consistent. I had to, um, I had to be, I had to have that grit in me because when you start a business, it's not necessarily that uh, the results will come right away. So you have to be in love with the process. And I was, I was definitely in love with, you know, jewelry making and then outsourcing this and designing, co-designing, co-creating. So that was, that was definitely something I, I was interested in pursuing and I was, was keeping me going. So Focusing on that one thing after you decide um, is is definitely is definitely crucial. But taking your time for for that preparation and that discovery is okay because when you think about it, it's like you're going to be in it for years and years to come. Well, and having it be something that you're doing on the side without putting the pressure on it to perform, uh, you know, monetarily at first. So you can still see how passionate you are for it when you start to take it more seriously, right? Yes. And, and I think that's the key in, in starting a successful business, not to have that desperate 
look and attitude because people will not buy from you because they will feel bad or because you need to eat. That's not a, a, a strong enough reason to, you know, to support, to support somebody because, you know, people have charities to support and families and et cetera, et cetera. So to start a business while having a, a day job still is, is an excellent you know, idea. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that because we just convey this very confident attitude that, that we really need because we actually don't need that side hustle to support ourselves. We, we can succeed or not. And so that confidence is, is really what, um, drives us and, and, and builds a successful business at the beginning. We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to a few sponsors for making this episode possible. On this show, we don't just talk about productivity in the box of time management and priorities and goals and, you know, the standard productivity fair. We come at productivity from a whole life approach, a holistic approach. And one of the topics that we talk about a lot is your work environment and even your home environment and how that plays into your quality of life. This is why I was super excited to get Grove as a sponsor for my show because I'm a almost neat freak that's not a neat freak. You know what I mean? Like I like things being clean and I like the peace of mind of having things clean and neat and tidy and organized, but I'm not much of a cleaner. I don't enjoy doing it. But with the Grove products that I received, I've enjoyed cleaning, which is strange. I mean, they're they're changing my habits. So Grove Collaborative provides eco-friendly, non-toxic home care products. So they're safe for your whole family, your whole household. They deliver it to your door, which again is this other great productivity hack where you don't have to think about when you need them next. You can get on a schedule and it's almost like having an assistant order the things for you. But it's not a subscription service because you're not locked into recurring billing. In other words, they keep you on a schedule to make sure that you never run out. And like I said before, they're changing my cleaning habits. So I've got the shower spray, which I feel really good about being non-toxic in a small enclosed space that's only my shower. My wife won't touch it. She's glad that I'm now cleaning it. I know, I'm confession time here on the show. She's glad that I am using that daily spray, and I'm feeling good about using that daily spray because, honestly, I did have an aversion to spraying, like, cleaner all up in there, and with this spray, I don't. I love using this and making my cleaning space already feel clean. And if you want, like, that's just crazy talk. So, I know, I'm giving this picture that, like, I live in this pigsty of a house, but it's just not true. But it's now even more so not true because of Grove Collaborative. Go check it out by going to get your free $30 Mrs. Myers kit, a bonus gift, and a two-month VIP membership by going to grove.co slash beyond. That's G-R-O-V-E dot C-O slash beyond. I'd also like to thank a new sponsor, Knipe. One of the other most important productivity tips that we have is making self-care a priority. We've talked about this many times on the show. So I was thrilled to have Knipe join the group of sponsors for Beyond the To-Do List. Knipe believes in providing plant-based solutions for your self-care and has been around for 125 years. Some of their best sellers include mineral bath salts, herbal bath oils, joint and muscle lotions, and even foot care and body care. My personal favorite is the eucalyptus and mint body foam wash, because taking a shower first thing in the morning is great, 
but adding in the scents and the aromas from eucalyptus and mint gives you some of that aromatherapy while you're in the shower. It's honestly, and I'm going to say this, it's almost better than having a cup of coffee. I know, right? Blasphemy. And again, because it's all plant-based ingredients, it's vegan, it's dermatologist-tested, it's cruelty-free, it's, it's guilt-free, in other words. It has all the things that cumulatively equal guilt-free and feeling great while using the products for your self-care. So I know you need to make self-care a priority. So go for 15% off your first order from Knipe. Go to K-N-E-I-P-P dot com and use the promo code BEYOND. Again, that's 15% off your first order. Go to knipe.com, that's K-N-E-I-P-P.com, and use the promo code BEYOND. Make sure to use that promo code BEYOND, in all caps, at the checkout. And as we're talking about in this episode with Anna, many people are just going to become a statistic. What statistic? Well, one-fourth of all Americans say they'd start their own business in the next year if they could, but only a fraction of those people are going to actually do it, because taking a leap can be scary. And that, that leap is what we're talking about in this episode. Luckily, Weebly is there to help you create a great-looking website, but so much more than that. They give you this toolbox that allows you to sell your products, process payments, manage your inventory, create marketing campaigns and grow your brand. And they've got great customer service. You can pick up the phone. You can actually talk to a success expert. There's no script. There's no robot. You just talk to a real human being who wants to see you succeed. If you've got a product you want to share with the world, check out Weebly. And because you listen to this podcast, you can visit Weebly.com slash beyond and get 15% off your first purchase. Don't just build a beautiful website. Build a successful online business with Weebly. Again, weebly.com slash beyond, 15% off your first purchase. Now, you mentioned co-working or or co-designing, I should say. And how does that work into this? Is it good to have, you know, people... Uh, that are working alongside you on the same thing, or maybe a partnership, or are you talking maybe more of a community of other people who are also doing their own solo thing? Oh, I love getting feedback, and input, and design ideas from literally everyone, um, especially my clients. So I listen to them because they are they are the end consumers. They they are the ones who buy. So it's very important for me to create for them. And also when I co-create with designers from Thailand, let's say, it's it's just fun because there are two cultures that are, you know, uh, coming together and, and it's completely different. The tastes and the colors and the cultures has such a big influence on the overall look of the pieces that it's just inspiring, very interesting and and and, and definitely enriching. So I think the times when the creators were creating in solitude and then revealing their launch are gone. And now our customers want to be involved in the creation process. They want to participate in it because they want the pieces, they want uh, the products to be more customized. So instead of them being surprised by the launch, they want to be surprised by the piece that's really for them. And that can happen if we take their feedback. So creating for people, creating for 
my end consumers and now with writing, uh, creating and writing for my readers is, is extremely important to me. I have to imagine that that collaborative process with your potential or past customers uh, is, is somewhat energizing as well to get that feedback, that uh, affirmation from them. Yeah, it, it's, it's really it's really fun as well. But you also have to be, you know, careful what, what you listen to, because you can't possibly take in every single opinion and listen to listen to everybody. And there are definitely critiques. There are people who are not going to like what we create. And it's perfectly okay, because it's impossible to have the world for our target market. You know, so uh, actually, when I realize that I can just simply say my pieces are not for everybody, my book is not for everybody, it's it's been very liberating ever since. It's uh, I gave myself a permission to not to be bothered by 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 those who who the book is not meant for, who the jury is not meant for, because it's again it's uh, it would be very difficult to cater to everybody. Well, that's definitely a great lesson to have learned already. What are some of the other mistakes that you wouldn't mind sharing <laughs> with the audience so that they can start to learn from your experience? Yes. Yeah, so I remember I, I extended my brand and it was not a, it was not a, um, a wise decision. I'm writing about it in the book. It's, um, it's when I started a handbag line and I just didn't do it well. I just felt like an expert after having started one successful business. And I was like, okay, anything is possible. I can start anything I want successfully. And then, you know, the reality showed me that it's actually not the case, right? Yeah, I didn't do much research. I, I just felt so empowered by my first big success with a jewelry line that I'm like, I can do it. I can do anything. I can be a handbag designer tomorrow. And then I wasn't. So, and I, what I did was I followed strictly Seth Godin's book, The Dip. Um, I wasn't trying to prove myself that I'm going to win and I'm going to, I'm going to be right about the handbags. I just got rid of them overall. I just completely took on the loss and said, no more handbags. I, I'm a jewelry designer and that's where my heart is. And. It, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Yeah. Mistakes are very hard to swallow. And, you know, it was costly and not easy. That's why I'm thrilled to share this one and all the other mistakes in your creative career, because I want creatives to achieve their success faster. It's not to say that you shouldn't have confidence after a win, but are you saying maybe we should be careful about taking a win and then being overconfident and you know, maybe over expecting from the next one, the next project. Definitely. You have to, we have to be careful about the ego because that can really overpower us for, for, especially after, you know, one, um, substantial success. I mean, you may, we may think anything is possible, but we may get lucky once, but the second time, I mean, it can be a hustle or vice versa. It, it it all depends, yeah. Uh, speaking along those same lines, um, obviously, we've always got multiple ideas, multiple passions inside of us, things that we 
would like to try out, um, what would you suggest if somebody has already moved out of doing their day job and they are supporting themselves with a creative career and they want to try yet another almost side hustle to their side hustle? What would the steps look like? What would the steps look like for that? First of all, I just think it's, isn't that amazing that on, uh, as entrepreneurs, we could do that. We can just have this bouquet of creative careers and hustles and then turn up the volume on some and turn down on others. Mm-hmm. I, I just love it. Um, what I would suggest is, you know, testing, testing, testing. That's extremely important in my, in my opinion. And it's not just testing among our friends. It's literally asking strangers and even taking a, a small table at a conference or at a show and testing our few products and seeing the response because many of us are so in love with our products that we can't even take um, any critique or we really believe that this is it, but our customers may show us otherwise. It's, so it's it's really important to have an unbiased opinion. And of course, the larger the sample, the more you ask, we ask the better. And I would definitely suggest to make sure that the opinion is backed up by, by money mm-hmm. because it's different. So many customers, so many people will just compliment us on our work and designs or books but are they ready are they willing to pay for it isn't going to sell does it have a commercial value that's a different story and this is something that we need to know if we wanted a, a cre- if we wanted to if we want to make it a creative career or a successful side hustle sure well and and you even state say that in the book where we need to create a system so that we can sustain ourselves or we end up having a creative hobby only. And, and, and again, we'd be in the danger of doing that all over again. If we say we've moved out into our, you know, again, we've moved out of a, of a day job and we're into a sustainable creative career and we want to branch out yet again, but we might put that new side hustle, that second side hustle uh, into a box of just a hobby. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. There, um, I mean, I love hobbies and I want them to stay hobbies. But if we want to make it a creative career, if uh, there has to be a commercial value. There have to be people who are willing to pay for what we make. So creating systems is, is very important because it, it, it saves us time, saves us money, and it makes the business way more efficient. You know, it's crucial to the business health and, and to make the business sustainable. Mm-hmm. Because if we start doing something without the system, like if we have to reinvent and do something from scratch every day, that, that's just going to take us so much time, so much money. And it's, and we're not going to be able to compete with other companies who have systems that have systems. And I know some people are like, well, what kind of systems are we talking about here that maybe could be applied to the first the first time we do something or even to the next times to where we don't have to reinvent the system? We can maybe just tweak it. 
from routines to discovering how we can save time to being more productive, being more efficient, to also trying to save money by buying in, in bulk. So, I mean, taking a painter as, as an example, if, if he starts painting at the same canvas every day, that's going to be way more efficient than switching studios and looking for paints every day. If he goes to, to an art supply store every day, that right away, this is inefficiency. And it's great for a hobby to look at different colors, to, um, to wander around. But for a creative career, there have to be certain things that are going to be systematized to, to make it just, to, to just make it faster. Yeah. And it's going to be different for each, you know, endeavor because efficiency and, and the systems required are going to be different with everything. Right. Yeah. So it's from like in my case, for example, it's buying in bulk and negotiating and going to trade shows, but I, I don't go to, you know, Hong Kong or Thailand every year, I build connections and then it becomes a system. It's the repetition of, you know, working with the same designers and, and just, just being more effective that way. Uh, as far as the process goes, there's no set timetable. Like in other words, it, it's all about reaching sustainability. It, it's definitely not about being impatient and saying, okay, this has to stand on its legs now or it's done. Uh, that's a really good point, and, and I think that's why a lot of a lot of businesses fail, because the founders are so used to the paycheck, and the in the previous job they were probably compensated, you know, every week for their work. Meanwhile, in entrepreneurship, there may be days, weeks, and even years where we don't see results, and it can be so discouraging because. The worst thing is we don't know when the success is going to happen. And so I think grit and, and just being in love with the process itself is very important. And just believing and being consistent is also a part of a successful strategy. And that, again, is another reason why it makes a lot of sense to keep things not for too long, but for the right amount of time, which, again, is going to change differently based on whatever the, the process or the project is to keep things in that side hustle mode because your day job is where your security is at that point, especially because you can count on that paycheck to be able to uh, ideally pay off your debt so that you're even more free to do whatever you want and take bigger risks when the time comes. Definitely. And it definitely impacts our cre creativity, that confidence, the security that we have, that we don't really have to make it right away. but. You know, we have to be care careful here because for some, it may not be the greatest strategy because they may not feel the push. But if right. we, yeah, right? Yeah, there's definitely a balance there between staying in the day job. You know, it, it's like the nest. It's like, the you know, the, the bird jumping out of the nest. It's, you know, well, I can stay here safe and warm and loved by my mama bird, or I can jump out there, <laughs> but am I ready to? And, you know, you can feel th th there's a, there's a, there's good reason to be on each side of that, to be out there doing it on your own or to stay where it is feasible to grow to a certain extent. Like I almost look at it as if you're strong enough to burst out of the shell, 
then you're in the you know <laughs> to take the metaphor further if you're if you're in yeah. the, if you're in if you're the bird in the nest and you're in your shell break out of the shell first but stay in the nest but only to a certain point then and, and you say this wear your large wings yeah exactly so w- with this it, there is definitely a danger of looking for an always bigger cushion because it may not be enough oh you know, we may be already making a certain amount with our side hustle, but it's not the same amount as we were making in our day job. So we are, we may be tempted to raise this bar higher and higher just to feel more and more secure. And we may never, never quit. There has to be some kind of a, an internal agreement with ourselves that if I'm going to make it for this amount of time, or if I'm going to reach this level of income for a while, then I'm ready. Because looking for more and more and not feeling that we have enough is is really dangerous in the transition because we may not even, we may never be able to make it. Yeah. I have a friend who she refers to her husband's job as golden handcuffs because, um, and I'm not sure if you've heard that phrase before, but yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. and she refers to it that way because the pay for him is so good. But the ideal there is they, they have something they're wanting to work on together and what they're doing. And she's already kind of doing her own thing, but what they're doing is also kind of with a kind of, I don't know, ferocity with a, with a, with an intensity. They're using that money. That, that extra, that larger than they need amount of money that he gets paid to pay down, you know, school loans and this and that. And so then they don't need to live off such a large amount later. They don't need to now, but they definitely won't need to later because things are paid off. I think not creating like excessive expenses because we can definitely adjust to our income. We right. can, yeah, but, uh, watching for it and and just being careful so i think being frugal as an entrepreneur is so important even if we don't have to because we develop these habits that are extremely important when we run a business because there is negotiation there is um you know some people say you have to spend money to make money i don't agree fully we don't have to spend that much to to be able to make something out of it working with what we have works in in most cases and it's definitely it's been my life motto just work with what you have well anna you've got so much more to share in the book than we've touched on in this conversation and you've even got free gifts to give away why don't we direct people to where they can get the book as well as those gifts absolutely so if you go to annasabino.com there are free resources for entrepreneurs. You can download the 12 creative career insights. Some of them we touched on at the show. And there's definitely the information about the book. The book is available where books are sold. It's called Your Creative Career. And you can find it on annasabino.com. Awesome. Anna, thank you so much for being here. It's been great having a conversation with you. Thank you. So I hope that you're coming away from this conversation with a sense of patience yet urgency. 
in a weird balance of, yes, you know you can do it. There is a, there is a confidence in moving forward and doing that creative career. It's possible. People are doing it every day. They are also moving into it and trying new things out in that sphere while they're continually doing the thing that they set out to do originally. So they've got that side hustle from a side hustle, if you will. I just know somebody out there needs to hear this message over and over. I hope that they heard it. I hope that you, if you're the one that heard it, let me know. I would love to know that this made a difference for you. You can find the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 223. I hope you check out our sponsors, Grove Collaborative. Check them out at grove.co slash beyond. Make sure to check out the deals from them as well as Knipe at K-N-E-I-P-P dot com. Make sure to use the promo code beyond. And Weebly at weebly.com slash beyond. I know that all of those products in different ways will help you with cleaning your home and making your workspace productive, taking care of yourself, as well as getting your online presence set up. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.